0: Welcome to Hevray Connect. I'm Zach Garber, your host and a current Hevray member. In this podcast, you will get the opportunity to learn about the incredible Cabinet Young Leadership Program. We will explore the stories of fellow Cabinet members, alumni of the program, and educational series about the Jewish Federations. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and local Jewish Federation. Enjoy! Enjoy!
1: I think sitting around between the pandemic and recovering from chemo and surgeries um, really got me to think, you know, how can I take this experience? And help others.
0: Today, I'm very excited to have another episode of Hevery Connect. I have the honor and privilege of interviewing Lacey Foon. Lacey is a second year in cabinet, and she has a wide variety of things she's doing and a a strong background. She recently got married, had twins. Uh, She then went through having breast cancer and took that experience to help work with J-Screen to create a subsidized cancer screening company in association with the Federation in Detroit. And then most recently, she has started a new company called Fascination Factory, which is a children's play space focused on learning. So I'm really excited to dive into all these different topics and more, but I think as a great... Starting point, Lacey, could you just share a little bit about your background yourself and how you've gotten involved in so many different things?
1: Sure. Well, thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be here. Um, So, I am born and raised in the Detroit area. I grew up in a very philanthropic family, especially as it relates to Jewish organizations and federation. Even my dad, who moved down to the Palm Beaches, became involved in his area. So not just Detroit, but um, Federation has always been something that's important to me. So when I came back after graduating from business school and Detroit Federation reached out to me to uh, be involved in what they call the entree program with NextGen. I'm not sure if that's um, specific to Detroit or all federations, but it was really an eye-opening experience for me in terms of what exactly a federation does. Who it helps, how it helps people. And my mind was really blown from that and just immediately, you know, sort of took it upon myself to become involved. You know, it kind of goes without saying once you hear all the things that it does, whether it's financial resources or your time, it's just so important to help one another. And we also had a women's philanthropy speaker, Jill Cardman, who, um, you know, had a TV show and has written some books. And she said something once at the beginning of my involvement. And she said, um, if we don't help the Jewish people, then who will? And so that's really been my mantra in terms of getting involved.
0: Could you share a little bit about just your background? You obviously have started a company, you have twins, Uh, and then also your involvement with uh, J-Screen in Detroit.
1: So I graduated from business school. My Before getting my MBA, I worked in apartment management and sort of moved my way up to corporate with them, but knew that I wanted to get the experience of a business degree to really understand the finance and everything of a business. And then from there, went into commercial real estate, asset management and acquisitions. Then my twins were born, and even though I always saw myself as a working mom, I just couldn't help but take time off to be with them. And this last fall, they started school full time. They are turning four in the morning. So it's crazy. But um, I realized with them going back to school that I wanted to do something and I wanted to be my own boss. So I really looked at needs in the community. And one of the needs was somewhere to take young kids that, you know, wasn't physical, like a gymnastics or swimming or whatever. And, um, you know, it, it's not that unique of an idea. There are other places nationally that follow a similar model. It's just someone had to do it in our area. And we only opened last Wednesday. We've been open for four days. The response has just been incredible. Our following, I've done no advertising and people are um, really happy that it's there. So, I'm excited about that side of uh, my career. And then um, as it relates to J-Screen Detroit, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it was really important to me to make sure that Jewish people are aware of the risks that we um, possess as a people, both in terms of hereditary cancers and reproductive diseases. And not only did I want people to become aware of it, But I wanted to make sure that people knew how easy it was to screen for these things and that, if anything, there shouldn't be a financial barrier to entry. So that's why I went to um, the Federation and our JCC. So the program actually is housed under our JCC under um, a program called J Family Detroit, which is amazing in and of itself. So they helped me launch this program where we take J screens, um, you know, saliva tests, The regular cancer genetic screening is normally two hundred dollars, and we subsidize it down to thirty six. And the reproductive genetic screening is normally one hundred and fifty, and we subsidize it down to eighteen. So, you know, both eighteen and thirty six are prices that I think most people would be able to swallow. And if they are interested in knowing um, anything about their genetics, have it easily available,
0: and and why specifically genetics and kind of J screen? Sure.
1: All right. So now, this is uh, my whole story about it. So back when I was in business school in about 2013, um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was in her late 50s, and the day before her elected double mastectomy, found out that she was a carrier of the BRCA or BRCA1 genetic mutation. And so I immediately went and got screened myself and found out at the beginning of 2014 in my late 20s that I too was a carrier. But all the doctors told me, don't worry, you don't have to worry about, you know, doing anything preventative until... You know, your 40s, you won't get cancer until 10 years before your mom did, which would put me into my late 40s. So I was very diligent in terms of my screenings, you know, MRIs, mammograms, etc. Saw specialists several times throughout the year, just to be careful, but you know, wasn't about to do any surgeries. And, you know, have a few months into the pandemic on my own, despite all my doctor's appointments found a lump. And I felt so fortunate to be in a position, um, you know, where I am connected to these doctors and specialists. Between finding the lump on a Saturday night, I was in the oncologist's office by Friday. So, you know, I think sitting around between the pandemic and recovering from chemo and surgeries um, really got me to think, you know, how can I take this experience And help others because I'm sort of, you know, I felt like knowing that I had BRCA was my power, you know, even though it sucked that I got it way earlier than I was supposed to, at least I, you know, felt something and immediately went in. If I hadn't known that I had BRCA, I may not have taken it so seriously or may not have been in the doctor's office so quickly. Um, So I really think that my knowledge and BRCA saved my life. Especially, you know, as a wife, a young wife and a mom of 18-year-old twins being here, or 18-month-old twins being here is imperative. And that's when I came up with the idea and shopped it around until, you know, it found its home. And, you know, I've been sort of telling my story and sharing my story to inspire others to get screened. You know, you don't have to have a genetic predisposition, you know, you don't have to have a family history of breast cancer, you don't have to have a family history of any of these things to be a carrier. Um, As Jews, as Ashkenazi Jews, especially, um, our risks are so much higher. I don't have the actual statistics in front of me right now, but we've had so many people that are finding out things that they didn't know that will help them in their health, help their future children. And it, it, it's really amazing work. I mean, I my whole thought was, as a federation, we do so much to help Jews and one another in our day-to-day lives. But this is something that helps Jews stay alive. You know, we we send our kids to camp, so we stay Jewish. We do all these things to stay Jewish. But this is one thing to keep Jews alive.
0: A hundred percent. And this hits home for me as well. My mom actually is a breast cancer survivor. So I think amazing. it's... Uh, you know, very important, the work that you're doing. And it's extremely for anyone who's listening, you know, checking out J screen, the work that they're doing. And I think also learning about what you've done with Detroit, helping subsidize that maybe that's a program that can be rolled out to other federations as well. Um,
1: Absolutely. There's a, you know, Miami has a program, Chicago does, you know, this isn't that unique of an idea. I know that um, we helped start one and. North Palm Beach as well. But if anyone out there wants to, you know, help starting their own, I'm always available to discuss it or connect you with people. You know, it's such a simple model.
0: Yeah. And so one of the other topics that I wanted to make sure that we discuss a little bit is creating spaces for learning. So a little bit different in terms of what you're doing with children, Mm -hmm. but obviously cabinet is a program to bring people together to think about ideas, develop, uh, learning around different Jewish federations. What is it that you're doing right now with the new company? You shared a little bit that you're creating these spaces, but how is this, you know, different from other spaces and what are the things that are important to facilitate creativity, learning things like that for kids. And maybe if there are any relevancy to what we're trying to do for cabinet.
1: Oh, that's tough. So, you know, in making Fascination Factory, ever since my kids were infants, I was really um, just blown away by all the resources out there. And even in my own upbringing, my dad, especially, you know, in the early 90s, it really wasn't a thing to, you know, push girls into STEM or whatever. And, you know, the the toys that he would get for me, you know, would be considered STEM toys right now. And I feel really grateful that I had that sort of support. And having two young daughters, you know, I, I wanted a place for them to grow in the same way. And, you know, education, especially at this age, really doesn't just happen in the classroom. And when kids are presented with the right tools to use, you know, both sides of their brain and, and, um, you know, use different skills, it, can help them build their critical thinking communication problem solving creativity so that's why I really wanted to make a space for children to grow but you know as I as the company evolved I realized you know as a parent it's really hard for me to play with my children at home and I get distracted they get distracted so what's also special about it too is that it provides us with a space that we can go and really connect with one another without the distractions of the laundry machine or the iPad or whatever it may be. And, um, and just to see things that you don't necessarily have at home or aren't at Target or Amazon. um, It's been really great to watch children connect with one another Um, adults connect with one another whether it's nannies or moms and those caretakers connecting with the children and there's just so many ways that it brings people together that's really cool and I guess that's sort of how it can relate to cabinet is just you know finding the right spaces that sort of take us out of our comfort zone in order to grow.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about space. We Part of this series that we mentioned at the beginning is this is uh, in advance of the upcoming retreat in Detroit. So maybe Mm -hmm. you can share a little bit about, you know, what is going on in Detroit, why people should be excited about retreat being in Detroit in terms of some of the uh, highlights. I know you've been part of the committee helping uh petition for this. So, you know, I'm personally very excited uh for what's coming on, having just visited you guys uh, you know, in the last year, but would love to hear a little bit about, you know, what what is going on in Detroit and why people should be excited for the retreat this summer.
1: Well, I'm glad that you're excited. Um, and I am excited to talk about Detroit because, you know, ever since I was in high school, I have been fascinated with the revitalization of Detroit in my undergraduate, I studied American urban studies and just, you know, seeing my hometown really grow, you know, in the last 20 years has been spectacular. And being able to have this national group of leaders come see what has happened is really, really exciting for me. And I know that, you know, when people hear Detroit, they think of, you know, an old industrial city or think that I because I'm in the suburbs, I live on a farm. Like, I don't know, but that's not what it is. I mean, the first point is that I'm excited about that I hope people will be able to understand from this retreat is how strong of a Jewish community we have here. The history of Jewish Detroit is just so spectacular. We have some amazing philanthropists, who, you know, started 100 years ago and amazing ones that, you know, are our generation or the generation just before us. And we have one of the greatest campaign powers per capita in a a huge Jewish community as well. So I'm just really excited to have some of those people be able to come in and speak and tell their story because you know, being from Detroit and going to federation events, I've heard a lot of their stories and we just have some incredible um, speakers and lessons and it's just so much inspiration here. Not only just, you know, why they're philanthropic, but how they became successful and just some really amazing things that I'm excited to share. So, you know, on the other side about Detroit too is, you know, it, as a kid, it, it wasn't that great of a place to go. You know, you maybe had a show down there or, you know, you would go to the symphony or the the art Institute and maybe a dinner every once in a while. But other than that, you never really went downtown. You never really felt safe. Um, and it wasn't until the 2000s that it really started to come alive. Um, one of our, um, biggest philanthropist in Detroit is Dan Gilbert whose um, company Quicken loans is headquartered in Detroit and he was sort of one of the lay leaders in you know investing in the city investing in outdoor spaces and things to do and making people feel welcome and safe in the downtown core and that you know I sort of saw through his, the things that he was doing, it really spread from the downtown core, the central business district, onto Midtown and onto, you know, all these other uh, Corktown, other areas of um, Detroit. Also, you know, around this time, we also got casinos, which I'm sure uh, our hebra will be uh, frequenting at night in retreat, which will be fun. Also the Illich family who owns the Red Wings and Little Caesars Pizza have invested greatly. So now we have all of our sports are now downtown, which they weren't always. And, you know, so having these new stadiums, new arenas is also huge for the area. Not so great for traffic, but otherwise good. And, you know, where we're staying is a great hotel. I have been to conventions there before, where I've been there for a few days, and even that was ten years ago. And so I'm psyched to, you know, go back to a, um, a convention ten years later because there's even more things in walking distance. Our food downtown is great. Our culture is great. So I'm really excited to share with everyone all these things and, you know, the walkability and the history of the area
0: well i've have, I have a passion for post industrial cities and see a lot of corollaries. Oh my God, I love that about you. <laughs> have a lot of All corollaries right. to what's going on in Baltimore. and I think the national implications of Reinventing and re inspiring cities that have just like incredible institutions and bones has uh, is 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 one helpful in terms of understanding how to grow businesses in modern society and uh, kind of reimagining what the history has been. But I think also has implications for us as Jews, always trying to reimagine and use our history to reinvent ourselves. So I'm I'm excited to see what what that could look like. We we've talked about you know you you have twins you went through having cancer you're now starting a business why join cabinet if you have all of these things going on?
1: So when I was first approached by Federation, it was before the pandemic, before I had cancer, and I, I didn't even know that cabinet existed. Um, You know, I was really just starting to get my feet wet in terms of not only being involved, but, you know, getting to the point where I could financially make significant or somewhat significant contributions. And then when I was approached and told about this program, you know, for one, I have always been a magnet to any sort of leadership program. Um, It's just sort of been my personality. I've always enjoyed them. I've always just sort of been a natural leader. And so that was exciting to me. I've always been the kind of person that likes to meet other people. The idea of traveling was really exciting. I love to travel. And, but what really excited me was that the cabinet group in Detroit, there were only two women and there's nothing that gets Lacey Foon going more than breaking down a gender barrier. So. um I was excited to help bring another woman onto our cabinet group. And then, you know, shit happened in my life that was unforeseen. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I haven't, I wasn't able to go to the first retreat because I still wasn't physically well. Um, and sort of the same with the first mission. And then the second retreat, I unfortunately had. Um, a very close family member's wedding that week, and then this mission was a week before my business opened. So I always like to joke that uh, cabinet takes my calendar and does the exact opposite of my availability. But um, I was able to go to Washington D.C. last year, and um, the last two years I have been a class lead, just as ways to try to, you know, show face and get to know people even from a distance.
0: Well, I think everyone's excited to get to know you more at the retreat in Detroit, which I'm sure you will be actively participating in. Um, Yeah, I can't wait. On this podcast, you know, we like to share also just a little bit about yourself in terms of how you engage Jewishly. Is there a Jewish tradition or something that you do either with your family or personally uh, on a regular basis that gives you inspiration and meaning? You
1: know, I, I think just Personally, just giving back and, you know, that being a Jewish value of mine is something that I practice weekly, daily.
0: When you look out three, four or five years from now, what would you define as success personally, professionally, you know, for your family, the Jewish community at large? That's tough,
1: especially because I feel like I've already done a lot of things that I'm proud of. Um, you know, I, I started an initiative, I just started a business, so um not totally sure how to top that. So I guess, you know, in three to four years, I would just hope that these initiatives or these businesses are even bigger and better. And one thing that I really would like to get a hold on, I know is not just unique to me, it's not just unique to Detroit. Um, A lot of the ladies in cabinet and I have been discussing that we're having a hard time finding a place in um, women's philanthropy, like we've sort of aged out of next gens, but are a little too young for women's philanthropy. And so I would definitely feel success in being able to work together to find a way to um, make a space for our age group.
0: For someone who's looking to either start a business or they want to start a program with their federation, having done these things, what what pieces of advice would you provide?
1: Well, for one, you know, if someone says no, then go to a different group. I mean, especially in our federation, there's so many arms that if it's not the right fit for one, you know, ask like, well, then who else should I call next? You know, just because you hear no doesn't mean that there's, it's a bad idea. So that's definitely one thing I would consider in terms of creating something in your community. And, you know, in terms of a business, for me, I generally consider myself a risk averse person. So going and starting my own business was pretty scary. So what I kept doing to push myself further and further was just to engage, to continue to engage other professionals, whether it was a Real estate broker or a lawyer or, you know, a designer, just anything to keep digging myself a bigger hole, knowing that I wouldn't be able to get out of it once I engage them. And that, you know, sort of helps me to get to where I am now.
0: Before we wrap up the interview, are there any, you know, closing thoughts or things you want to share? You know, on this podcast, we try to highlight. You know leaders that are associated with cabinet, why they choose to give Jewishly, what they find meaning in, um, and a little bit about their stories.
1: I've hit most of those things, so I'll just end by saying that I can't wait to see all of you in Detroit. I can't wait to show off this amazing city and our incredible people here.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Through the zooms and the fro- change